Welcome to the Bureau of Complaint. This is your host, Laura Jean Moore. And Ty Pemberton. And today we have a guest with us. Hello. And uh, if you could introduce yourself and maybe say a little about who you are and whatever way you would like, please go right ahead. Yeah, my name's Angie Horn, and a little about me is I am a wildlife knower. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> uh, a, friend, I, a friend of a beast, <laughs> wild and domestic. Uh, I'm a, a public lands advocate, uh, environmental policy professional, um, and I live in Long Beach now, and I'm very happy to join any podcast that'll have me. It, so. Indeed. <laughs> indeed. And, and today, because you're also a person... I am um, not. Who lives in this country? You've probably dealt with our healthcare system. Um, so, for our listeners, as you know, we uh, we get to complain about things. This is an entertainment podcast. I'm sorry, mom, that you were so offended last time <laughs> that we didn't have citations for our complaints. Once again, we're not going to have citations for our complaints tonight, but we're going to complain a lot. About healthcare in the United States, <laughs> and, and, if, and if you're and if you're anybody else's mom or dad lurking out there, getting ready in the comments, we're sorry to you too. We're sorry, sorry to you too. Sorry, moms and dads who are wanting citations from us. We just don't have the time right now to take care of that. However, if you Google the things we talk about, you will find corroborating evidence of uh, why our opinions are pretty much fact based. <laughs> Which is it's not a way you should cite something in an academic paper. No. I, I recently saw that somebody tried to do that in an academic paper, and it did not go well. No, it doesn't go well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're not turning this into anyone. This is our um, place to just really let the blood flow complain. Yeah. 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 Blood flow. Let, let blood. Let blood. Let blood. Draw blood. Draw blood. Get the blood rising. Sparring. What are we yeah. doing? I don't know. Blood. Health. Blood. Care. Yeah. <laughs> Sure. So I wonder why healthcare is on everyone's sure. mind today. Yeah. Sure. So blood doctors. Angie and I both ended up commenting on Twitter this morning. Oh, it was the same thread. <laughs> <laughs> um, in the same thread because one of the presidential candidates, Bernie Sanders, was like, "Have you ever avoided going to the doctor because you were afraid of how much it costs?" And of course, like every single person was like, "Of course we have," yeah. Because um, I don't think that is something that isn't a reality in your life in America, unless you are just like fucking filthy rich. Like, yeah. uh-huh. uh, <clears throat> first of all, the thread was interesting to me because most of it was Americans saying, "Yes, current status, evergreen tweet." Always currently doing that right now. My original tweet was literally right now avoiding the doctor and thinking about shoulder surgery uh-huh. um, and how I'd never be able to pay for it or recover or yeah. anything like that. And then the other half is like people from other countries going, What is this hellscape that you live in? Right. Like, why would you not go to a doctor? And I'm just like, Oh, oh, I remember that attitude. It's not uh-huh. that I'm European, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I wanted to point out before we get this started yeah. that I didn't know what private health insurance was until I was 18 years old. And it's oh, not wow. because my, I was covered under my parents and think about it, it's that I was a military dependent. Mm-hmm. So that's another part 
of the United States right. that doesn't experience the private healthcare market. Right. You know, we have our own uh, quibbles with TRICARE and, and VA and care. VA care. I think, which is all bureaucratic. I don't think it's a, a, a matter of delivery. I just think that you complain about whatever it is you're dealing system with at the moment. Have. And yeah. the minute any of those people have to go on the private system, they're horrified. Yeah. And I, I think there's a small minority that maybe are like prefer the private system. But again, like you said, that goes back to the economic question. Mm-hmm. Right. So, so we so we end up having like multiple tiers, right? There's like the really fancy healthcare that people who are very rich can afford. Yes. And then there is at least your covered healthcare that people who are associated with the government have. Now that that would be mainly military. I think the military gets like the same thing that Congress does, no, or below. No, no. no the okay. reason I didn't know about the private system is that the military has socialized medicine. It okay. has a they Medicare full, style they have system. Own, they have nationalized hosti- yeah. hospitals. But Tricare is actually better than Medicare, even. Oh, okay. Uh, so the military, you would say, have the best health care in that they don't pay any copays. They don't pay anything. Like oh my that. god! Um, or they I might had pay, no idea. Or they might pay copays, but they're like really. I don't remember health bills at all when I was a kid. Right. I mean, not that I would see them. Right. I have a whole other thing about uh, military preparing you for becoming a true socialist as opposed to trying because <laughs> you, you're assigned a house right. and everything is the same. And right. You, the, the idea of private property itself, I think that's why I'm so offended by private health insurance because I didn't grow up with a sense of what private property was. Yeah. Because you just moved to a new place and got a house. Uh-huh. And nobody was homeless. <laughs> That's a really interesting perspective. I've never thought about that in terms because you have so many military people who seem to be anti-socialist, and yet they're living in what is essentially a socialist. Well, that's exactly haven. it, right? It's this strange thing. Like I just got back from. Uh, if my parents listen to this, I'm really sorry, but you've heard me say this before. You know, my stepfather retired from the military after 30 plus years. Mm-hmm. You know, he did a service, yeah. but we're on a military base, and I'm seeing Gadsden flag license plates, mm-hmm. and I'm like. It's like that meme of the snake with a boot right. on the end of its yeah. tail and it's stepping on its own neck. Uh-huh. It's like, what, what right. are you saying? And then seeing Confederate flags on a U.S. military base is also wild. Right. Yes. So yeah. there's this weird... Yeah, it's, it's very strange. These people live in a total socialist structure, less so now than they used to. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, now that everything's gone out to private contractors. And the bargain and expectation but, is that but you, you because have to, they're willing you have to, to die for their country, that they therefore get all of these perks. And, like, first, I mean, I'm not even going to get into how our current administration is treating the military like his personal army that he sells to the highest bidder. Right. Um, but we were saying the other day that they're basically turning us into Hessians. They are. They're basically yeah. turning us into Hessians. Yeah. Um, but like on the other hand, That's it seems like to have a functioning society, you also need your civilians to be healthy. Like that just seems to me <laughs> like a priority for any nation. And I feel like when the Constitution talks about the well-being of citizens, I feel like healthcare is covered by the Constitution under that clause. Like, I don't understand when people talk about small government that it shouldn't get into people's healthcare decisions when I'm like, you're already getting into our healthcare decisions by making access so difficult. Mm-hmm. Like, people are literally dying because they cannot get healthcare. Like, right. what in the fuck? Well, like, let's go back to the whole... And this is why the death panels thing bothered me so much. Uh-huh. I'm going back to the, the Sarah Palin McCain. Uh, even before. 2000, yeah, 2000, yeah. I'm, going, I'm going back to, to the whole panic before the Affordable Care Act, which is actually just a really terrible band-aid it's like one of those tiny band-aids that doesn't actually go anywhere or help you right Uh Uh, but it does the job temporarily right you know um the panic over the ACA which was a huge gift to insurance companies 
was still framed as a socialist I know. program, which is insane. And, and um, you know, it's this idea that they're like, well, you want the government deciding whether you live or die? I'm like, do you want corporations deciding whether right. you live or die? Like, yeah. I'm sorry, I don't... I, I trust the institution, as flawed as it is, that doesn't have a profit motive over one that does. Right, and, and people treat the current medical model as though it's always been this way, when it, it's actually yeah, it's very like, new. Yeah. Right. Like, it's post-Nixon, it's... Mostly to blame on the people who founded Kaiser Permanente. Yes. In my opinion. <laughs> I know. And that yeah. is, I mean, if you listen to the Nixon tapes, there's actually a conversation he has with the founder of Kaiser Permanente. Was it George Kaiser? I think, I think that's George his Kaiser? name. Yeah. yeah. Where yeah. they're talking about how, look, we can make all this money off of sick people. <laughs> and it's just like, that's I mean, literally <laughs> what they're saying. He's like, oh, that sounds great. Uh-huh. Sign me up. Although <laughs> we'll make it happen, and then they did, and then they fucking did, and we all live in that hellscape now. And, and of course, there's the weird like exception to that under the same administration that dialysis is fully covered. Oh, right, right. But then you get the kind of factory floor for government billing dialysis situation where they're pushing people through and they're not, like, sanitizing correctly or actually treating people correctly within that. I didn't realize that. Yeah. Um, And I don't know the history behind it, why that particular administration was kind of... Like, why why are some illnesses more... Okay to be covered by government healthcare than others. Yeah. Like that's so bizarre. That one seems like an utter anomaly to me. But I mean, I'm thinking about kind of Tricare, as you mentioned, under uh, as part of the U.S. military and a U.S. military family versus you know making money off the people in healthcare. Um, I'm reminded of that. I think you and I both, LJ, um, saw the same tweet where it's like it's all about ensuring different bodies as kind of machine maintenance to feed back in to the production line. There, the, there was a tweet. Oh, it was something that was talking was about, about dental care. Yeah, if you're ever dental wondering why you don't... Covered. Yeah, if you're ever wondering why you don't get dental care, it's because you don't need teeth to keep working. And if your teeth helped you... If, it's a cosmetic thing. Yeah, if your teeth were in any way useful to your boss, that shit would be insured. Right. But they're not, so brush up. Right. Okay. And even even okay. So going go into this concept of because I think I think in the United States a lot of people don't even consider themselves citizens anymore. They consider themselves consumers and workers, right? Or consumers and employees. They don't really consider themselves like a citizen who has like power and opinion. In the the concept of civics has gone completely out the window. Completely out the window. But even going to that, like one of the things I think about a lot, especially because I have my own company that I've been trying to start for ages is that the way that healthcare is currently attached to employment is terrible for business owners. Yes. It is terrible. Except unless unless <laughs> they're trying to keep employees in line. Which is right. the, mm. but even it's then, a bargaining it's chip. Hella yeah. expensive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like like so many small business owners in this country would be had their like basically their cost per employee would be cut in half overnight oh, yeah. Yeah. if mm-hmm. they did not have to provide health care yeah. to their employees. And I'm not saying that we should make it to where they don't have to without also providing something. I'm saying just like if the government just took that off their plate, boom. And people talk about, oh, nobody wants it. Nobody. And I'm like, no, only the people who work at the upper echelons of healthcare don't want it. Literally, everyone else wants it. Yeah. <laughs> everyone right. else wants. Well, I heard this, like, you know, I heard uh, this galaxy brain take from Beto O'Rourke, who, you know, I have opinions about the guy. Well, he, galaxy brain is a really uh, great description. And this is a great <laughs> podcast for opinions of all kinds, <laughs> yeah. in, in all directions. Yeah. So. Okay, so so his take and his plan, because you know, there's we have twenty different candidates and we have twenty different plans, right? right? Or eighteen and a half plans, right? And they're all varying degrees of bad. Like you have Medicare for all, 
Mm-hmm. And then you have, let's keep the AC, like the Joe Biden, I'm defending Barack Obama's right. legacy with this flaming sword. And, you know, you're not going to get the ACA, <laughs> you sons of bitches. You have to come through me. Um, Beto O'Rourke said, I've talked to a bunch of union people. He sounds just like John Redcord from King of the Hill. It drives me crazy. <laughs> uh, Sorry, we're going off the rails. Um, he, he's like, I talked to union people, and union people are like, we fought hard for our health care benefits. I'm like, and so they want to keep it. I'm like, nobody likes their fucking private health insurance. Nobody likes it. Nobody likes it. If you went to those same union people and said, guess what? You don't have to fight for your health care You just have health care You just now. have health care, and now you can do other things to leverage Mm-hmm. Like you're not right. so focused on, I just need these things to keep me and my family alive. You can use other bargaining chips. Right. And I do think that, I think that's where the difference is between small business owners and large corporations. For large corporations, you know, they can keep a liability like health insurance on their books mm-hmm. if it's a tool to keep the workers in line. Right. Small business people want that liability off the books. off the books. They don't just want like to vacation, deal with it. exactly. Right. It's 100%. like those companies that do the the unlimited vacation. Mm-hmm. It's not because they're ha- they they want employees to take nine week vacations. It's right. because they don't want the banked vacation on their books that right. they have mm-hmm. to pay out at the end of employment. Right. And they know because Americans are fucked in the head. What? Sorry, can we? Swear? No, we can yeah. swear. We can say whatever. Sorry, I'm not allowed to on my podcast. Oh no, this is an adult. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> sea turtles. I mean, we can yeah. say yeah. fucking anything. If, if you would, if you would like to be part of a cleaner podcast, we can just like dub over every time we curse with like. Mm. <laughs> It's like an anxiety noise. It's an anxiety noise. <laughs> no, please cuss. Say whatever you want. Yeah. Say whatever you want to say. Yeah. You know, I, I think, um, you know, the, yeah, it, when you're a small business owner, you want as much off the books as possible, unless you're trying to lose money. Which right. You, in which case, you're just mm-hmm. trying to cheat taxes. But you won't have to do that. Right. If you're not paying all this all this stuff off the side. But corporations, it's a, it's a rounding error. So if yeah. they can use that as a cudgel, mm-hmm. then they know, will. Then they will. Well, another thing, I mean, this is something that in the current discourse about healthcare that really bugs me is that I mean, some of our listeners might not know about what the Overton window is. Do you know about what the Overton I window don't. is? No. I know you know what the Overton window is. <laughs> I've been watching it move slowly, right? Slowly in different yeah. directions. It just kind of, it's kind of split at this point. I feel like in some ways, uh, yeah. So the Overton window is like. A descriptor for whatever is kind of allowed in the public discourse at any given time. Oh, yes, you've told me. And how this. politically the Overton window can swing left or right, and sometimes it goes left and right and mm. just grows. Um, and the problem that I have <laughs> with the current Overton window on healthcare is that it's so focused on Medicare for All, which is a about the nationalization of the insurance market. Yeah. That no one ever talks about how we should just have nationalized hospitals. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, we should have one system of hospitals that is administered by the, the United States government, the same as we have a U.S. post office. Mm-hmm. And then, if you want to pay your fancy dollars and go to the fancy hospital, just like if you want to pay FedEx or right. U, UPS or whatever, mm-hmm. then you can. But, like, there at least would be a floor. It would be like you would get health care at one of these national right. hospitals if you mm-hmm. needed it, right. period. And in some ways, on, like, a small county level, you can do that for vaccines. You can do that for, like, really essential public health things. Although vaccines in California, that's, like, a very fraught subject. 
Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh god, this could go in eighteen hundred different directions. Yeah. But uh, the point is, is like I wish I wish one of the presidential candidates would stand up and say, Medicare for all is not far enough. Because at the end of the day, what you also end up happening with the Medicare for all system is creating what is essentially corporate welfare for um, large hospital corporations to just like make bank uh-huh. off of the government. And yeah. then you get back into that dialysis situation where right. you get factory run things right. like using the people under their care. And it ends up being too a situation like that's similar to what government contracting has become where you have all of these sort of ancillary companies that are just making money off of um, these huge government contracts with very little oversight, like uh-huh. you're saying. Like very, very, very little oversight. Yeah, and they, and they keep, you know, industry by industry, they keep breaking things down. Like the Department of Education, what, 10 years ago? decided to farm out all of the, the debt collection for student right. loans uh-huh. to all right. these private companies. All these so private companies. I don't pay the government anymore. I'm paying some random company in Utah. Right. Uh-huh. I pay a that's, random company in Pennsylvania. That's been hired to do the same fucking job right. that, you know, GS9s used to do right. in the federal service. And those people used to have job security and all these things. It's like, uh-huh. I don't see what the benefit was to anybody for switching to a contract because the taxpayers are paying even more right. uh-huh. if we're... If we're subsidizing these these private mm-hmm. corporations. Right. Um, I just have seen this slow dismantling of every single public good uh-huh. uh, and just farmed out to the highest bidder in the name of efficiency. And it really, it's really is not efficient. efficient. Yeah. It's not. The thing that blows my mind is when people talk about like when America was great, what they're really thinking of is our really high-quality public schools Roads yeah. that were regularly cared for, great municipal services, a ninety percent <laughs> clean parks <laughs> that they can enjoy, a ninety percent tax on the upper one percent of the population, and all of those are municipal things. Like I lived briefly in Colombia um, and in South America. South, yeah, yeah. And it was fascinating to me because, the, at least where I was in Barranquilla, like. It's all privatized. And by all privatized, I mean from neighborhood to neighborhood, the height of the sidewalk changes because a different private contractor made it. There is no municipal standard or or consensus on anything. So, like, you can go from one neighborhood that has internet, water, sidewalks, parking, uh, parking spaces, actual lights overhead, and within three blocks in another direction... Dirt, dirt roads, no internet, no sanitation, no anything. And I'm like, this is absurd. How like What you end up with is a patchwork quilt that has no... It's like it's total segregation between yeah. classes. Yeah. Um, people do not feel... Even people who have money don't feel safe le- leaving basically the fences around their houses. And that's what blows my mind here in the United States is, like, rich people are always complaining about, like, people who are poor around them or, like, the homeless in in L.A. especially. But it's like, don't you realize if you have municipal services, you don't have to deal with that. Like, the whole point is that it's better for everyone because there's housing and there's functioning roads and there's great public schools and, like, oh, my God. I do think... So the Make America Great... You know, it's all those things. Yeah. But it's also... Well, for it's them, it's also white, freedom it's, to be super racist. When white guys were in charge of yeah. everything, yeah, and those it, were the people getting services. What really pisses the MAGA people off is yeah. the idea that someone who isn't white, straight gets male, anything. gets anything. Yeah. 100%. And that's just, I mean, that's just the wrong attitude. And, and that's the, the fundamental argument yeah. that they're making against universal health care. Right. Because, honestly, if you step back and look at it, 
I remember doing this, um, you know, when you go to Canada, you make fun of Canada. Mm-hmm. You have to. It's like, you know, you, America's hat. You rip them. Yeah. You don't want <laughs> they're, to, they're goofy. They're Canada. Yeah. You don't yeah. want to admit that. Um, it's that much better. <laughs> that close yeah. to that. <laughs> little, uh, you know, I uh, probably shouldn't have gone so hard on them. You know? <laughs> Uh, back in the day, so I can't wait to get back to the States. Uh, I'd never say that now. Never. Um, <laughs> oh, that was bleak. Yeah, that was the, but it is bleak. It's real. Yeah. It's real. It's real. it's real. And I think um, there's been a huge difference from when I was 18, 19, traveling outside of the country uh, and seeing the contrast. Mm-hmm. The contrast has only grown. So I'm almost 40. Mm-hmm. And I went to Germany, you know, in France, and I was like there's no homeless people on the street and these are big cities and I'm sh- homelessness exists obviously right, but right. it's just you don't have an entire neighborhood that shows up on google maps mm-hmm. that's called skid row I know. in yeah. paris you what know you don't have the that fuck? what the <laughs> fuck yeah. and you don't have like um you know the 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 president saying we're just gonna sweep them all off the street put them in this giant building yeah. uh in germany the same which thing which is chilling which, which is, is chilling. It's really chilling. chilling it's really chilling but What's amazing to me is that I, I've watched America's decline against going to Canada, going to Mexico, going to Europe. Um, and seeing them invest. In, and in seeing them country. invest. And, and stepping back and just being like, why in the world? I wouldn't do this. I just don't see how me paying taxes and somebody getting health care they deserve is a bad thing. Mm-hmm. And so I think there's an empathy gap in the United States uh, that's yeah. rooted in our... Number one, it's rooted in our own mythology of how the United States was founded. And it's become this sort of thing where, you know, if I perceive you to be not working, you don't deserve anything. Right. Mm-hmm. I think I think when you, what you talk about, though, with the taxes is a really important point, though, which is that people here feel, feel overtaxed and underserved. And that's because we are being taxed almost to the same working people, at least, are being taxed almost at the same rates as like European democratic socialist yeah, but we have countries, no tax. but we have yeah, but we have no services in return, right? And so when people talk about oh, that's going to require taxes, it's actually not going to require that many more taxes for it really working won't. people. It's a reallocation issue, uh-huh. right? But, it's it's yeah. a reallocation issue of where the money is actually going, right. and like we have the money to do it, we just aren't putting the money in into healthcare, into education, right. or into yeah. I mean, I read a statistic, and again, no citations. <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna have to look it up yourself. That, Without raising taxes at all on the middle and lower class, mm-hmm. by just putting the two-cent wealth tax that mm-hmm. Elizabeth Warren has proposed mm-hmm. and reallocating, like, a tenth of the military's budget, or the DOD's budget, I'm not going right. to say the military, because the DOD covers Covers all so the branches, money. yeah. Um, you could pay for uh, a universal health care plan in the United States just yeah. by a simple re- reallocation. That's incredible. It is incredible. It's incredible. Because we have, we have billionaires. Uh, yeah. We have millionaires. And billionaires mm-hmm. to me is a failure of policy. Oh, there yes, is absolutely. no reason billionaires should not exist. that no. anyone should have that much money. No. There's no, yeah. there's, there's no way a human person can work enough to justify, in my, ex- my opinion, even really more than $5 million. Like, yeah. it's not about labor. Uh, once you reach a certain threshold, it is not at all about labor. Absolutely. Um, while, while we're talking about how money affects healthcare, I want to bring up what I personally know about this. Because, Ty, you haven't spoken much in, in this episode. Um, I understand that if you're going to go the Medicaid route, mm-hmm. the in order to get health care, if you're poor in any capacity or close to poor, mm-hmm. you have to prove you're poor beyond 
Yes. Like an absolute doubt, and you had personal experience yeah, with that. Yeah, so I think, yeah, I think you're digging for so a specific I'm, anecdote here, and I'm, I'm happy to yeah. tell it. So uh, my mother died of stage 4 lung cancer that had metastasized to her brain um, in 2014. And she, um, for a number of reasons, hadn't really worked for a couple of years before that happened. She had a house that was underwater, um, not literally underwater, but it was during the bubble burst. And So she, she like hadn't made payments in a while. She hadn't made payments in a while, and it was now worth a significant amount less than she had agreed to pay for it, and so she couldn't have sold it to get capital if she had wanted Even, to. Okay. And um, so she, re- she really didn't have a lot of money, so... Um, it was complete. It should have been completely within my grasp to um, file the paperwork um, to get her on Medicaid uh, to get her the treatment that she needed, which was chemotherapy and radiation therapy. Radiation therapy first. Um, unfortunately, my grandmother, um, who had a nice government pension, she was. I think she had worked I, for the FAA. She had worked for the FAA. I think she was like a GS eleven before she retired. Um, has very strong emotional reactions to things. And when she found out my mother was sick, she didn't really understand anything about the illness, but just immediately transferred her money. And the money that my mother received... um, It was about $10,000. It was about $10,000. It's not enough to pay for any of the health care she needed. Um, But... That sounds like a lot of money. I'm an an old millennial. $10,000 sounds like the world to me. (laughs) But when it comes to health care in America, it's nothing. Yeah. Um, but basically what happened is that it made her ineligible for Medicaid. It's an, it's, it's nothing, but it's enough to make right. you not seem poor enough to Medicaid. Yes. To have access to Medicaid. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, we were in a situation where we had that money and they said, well, you have to spend down all this money before you can, um, before you can apply. And the application process, once you apply, takes at least a couple of weeks, if not like a month and a half, two months before it kicks in. Um, but you can't just go into a radiation clinic and be like, can we write you a check for ten grand?" and then you just give us $10,000 worth of radiation. <laughs> they won't do that. Um, <laughs> so uh, we were very lucky to find a, a radiation clinic. Um, and I remember distinctly from around the corner, um, as I had been working with um, the... Uh, basically the office manager of the clinic um and you know we'd been going over well can you do this and we can't do this and can you do this can't do that um i've been working through all that stuff and she's well i I need to talk with uh the oncologist and see what we can do and i heard from around the corner the oncologist say we're just going to do the right thing start the treatments just start the treatments uh, and it was clearly a choice that they were just going to give radiation treatments to my mother off the books. And we were very lucky that that happened. Wow. And that prolonged her life a significant amount of time. But on the flip side, um, because it took so long to get her on Medicaid, after her radiation treatments were done, it was another four and a half months before I was able to get her on Medicaid to have her chemotherapy start. Um, and by the time the chemotherapy started, she was in no condition to get it. She got about two treatments in, and that was it. Yeah. Um, and you know it's it's a thing, and but I mean, that it's, all it's incredible that we put our medical professionals in the situation 
where ethically they should be providing care. Right. But because the whole system is set up around this profit motive, they ha- they literally have to make multiple times a day choices about whether or not yeah. they're going to treat people because they can or cannot pay. And like, whether that's or not they're ridiculous. going to be severely punished for that either. Right. Whether, what, will they get in trouble for treating... Right, destitute people, where they get in trouble. I mean, I've, I've heard horror stories about people getting kicked out of hospitals. Like, mm-hmm. I, I think the maternal mortality rate in this country can be attributed to a lot of things. One, obviously, is access to care. Mm-hmm. Another is racism. Another is also sexism, sexism and, research. and research and how yeah. we focus so much on when the baby, when the baby's born and not the mothers and their recovery. Um, but, like... There's also part of that is like some people get immediately kicked out of the hospital after you have your baby because mm-hmm. the cost of keeping you overnight is absurd. Like that kind of stuff is like like that terrifies me. Like I I actually said in the tweet that I wrote to you that I I treat the healthcare system like the prison system and how I interact with it and that like I try to interact with it as little as possible because I have this fear that it's like the prison system and once you get wrapped up in it mm-hmm. it will just suck your life away <laughs> whether mm-hmm. through money or attention or like literally getting sick because we don't have good protocols in place in some of our hospitals and mm-hmm. like there are not universal standards about like checklists of what nurses should do on every shift and, and doctors and, and because and, of the way R&D is yeah. funded right. most of the research and development is funded not to necessarily cure things but to keep it's moving more and more towards a regimen of lifelong drugs yes well, yeah um Lifelong medication. And there are also regulations that cause more problems, right? So without a, 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 pub, a true public option, yeah. but you have a law that says if someone goes into an emergency room, they have to be treated. So what happens? You put more strain on the system, right? right? Mm-hmm. So if people could just get preventative care and, then yeah. it, and take care of shit ahead of right, time, 100%. the ERs would be able to do what they do. 100%. I had two trips to the ER in one month in January. Right. On separate ends of the month for the same thing. And not only was it a terrifying experience personally, because yeah. I was really sick, I also was cognizant enough to be saddened by what I was surrounded by. Mm-hmm. I was in a major hospital, a Catholic hospital, mm-hmm. uh, in a fairly large city in L.A. County. And it was 4 o'clock in the morning the first time I went. It still took them, I was the only person in the emergency room, aside from the homeless people who came in out of the cold. Uh, I got seen by a doctor for exactly two minutes, misdiagnosed, and then put on an IV drip. Excuse me. And I'm in there, and I'm realizing that everyone else in my little ward area where I'm laying on the bed, uh, they're all drunk uh, on some kind of, like, there was one dude who was just flipping out, and they were waiting for a psych transport. Like, this is where everyone goes. Right. They don't know where to go. Like, there, I, I can't imagine being the ER doc and having to deal with all of these varied cases. Mm -hmm. Many of them don't need to be in the emergency room. Mm -hmm. They need to be held by other services. Mm -hmm. My second visit was in the middle of the day. I was dropped off by a lift. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, Because I thought I was having a heart attack. It's Mm -hmm. certainly cheaper than an ambulance. It's cheaper than an ambulance. (laughs) And you know what? I know. That's how sick this is. Mm -hmm. That's how poisoned my brain is, is that I was on the sidewalk, and I felt chest pains. Instead of calling 911, I said I'd better get in the lift and go to the hospital because I can't afford to pay. Right. Mm-hmm. And I have insurance, and mm-hmm. I was terrified of this, mm-hmm. okay? And uh, it took, let's see, it took four hours to get into a bed to be seen by a doctor. And this is with chest pains. This is what right. presenting with chest Pre- pains. Presenting with, with symptoms of a heart attack. Mm-hmm. Four hours. The, the ER was overstuffed. 
Oh my god. Everything. And that and that, that's something that and it's just people like, always bring up. Yeah. They're like, you'll have to wait forever for care. And it's like, have you been to a hospital, hospital in the United is, States? Yeah. In like the last ten years. I, I was just last I was time just I so called for a doctor's appointment when I had the flu, they asked me if I could come in in six weeks, and I was like, I'll be fine by then or dead. <laughs> like, like Those so are your options, that's right? what it will yeah. be. Like, yeah. I'll either have survived or I won't be here anymore. Right. In exactly. six weeks. Like, exactly. come on. But it's just um. It just really struck me that the second time I was in there, by the time I got in, they were, like, taking it very seriously. I was on a monitor. I was there for, like, ten hours or something. And, of course, the whole time, I'm, like, terrified that something's wrong with my heart. Right. And also, how much is this costing me right. per minute? Per I'm minute. Literally like, and every time they ordered another medication, I was like, oh, no. oh Jesus Christ. Okay. Like, please uh-huh. let it not be something expensive, uh-huh. you know? Uh-huh. And um, the same dude from my previous visit was in the same room. Oh, wow. Young guy was clearly picked up off the street. Um, and they said he's in there every other day. Wow. Because he has nowhere else to go. Right. And I was just like, that dude uses it for his mental health, mm-hmm. uh, to get water, mm-hmm. uh, to get drug treatment. To be in shelter. To be in shelter. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this, by all appearances, this man, probably about 25 to 30 years old, mm-hmm. white guy, bleach blonde hair, looked to be in relatively good shape. He was distinctive enough as a person that I was able to recognize him from mm-hmm. the previous day. And the nurses are just like, we have to treat everybody who comes in. And so that's why I brought up the the policy doesn't match, right. you know, our, our structure. The reality. Because, and that makes it more expensive, too. Yeah. People don't realize that, like, the cost of healthcare goes up because they have to cover the cost of everyone who can't pay who does come into emergency services. Right, exactly. Yeah, and we yeah. should right. take a break to make explicit, I think, sort of also what you're, you're talking about here is that the, the stress on the emergency room system, too, is indicative of not just the failure of healthcare in our country, but an absence of a lot of other social services oh, yeah, that yeah, should yeah. be that should instituted yes. and have when we're systematically stripped. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, I also want to bring up because you mentioned that your hospital is a Catholic hospital. Mm-hmm. That like I don't think a lot of people now realize that in the United States, all of our hospitals that now say Catholic hospital or Methodist hospital or Baptist or whatever, they used to be charity hospitals. They were mm-hmm. set up by those denominations and run through as charitable organizations. And most people in the United States, if you had any health, kind of health care problems, that's where you would go. And I think a lot of people, because of the movies, think that doctors used to make house calls all the time. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, there's a disconnect in that, like, no, most people were going to these charity hospitals. And, like, the quality of what you had access to was just what you were closest to. Mm-hmm. Um, and the people who got house calls had a lot of money, <laughs> mm-hmm. and that's still the case. Like, if you can afford to have a doctor come to your house, which I'm sure someone like Jeff Bezos absolutely can, mm-hmm. um, it's great. But we are not those people. Our ancestors, for most of us, were not those people. <laughs> and, like, it's mind-blowing that instead of having even these charitable hospitals, we now have this entire system in which there are human beings alive who are literally profiting off the the pain and hurt and death of their neighbors. That's like, like literally what it is. It's yeah. like having parasites who walk amongst you. Right. <laughs> and, and, and because that's the reality, I have so much sympathy for conspiracy theorists because I feel <laughs> like their instinct is right. Yeah. Like the instinct. Something's wrong. Something's wrong. Their instinct that they're being preyed upon is correct. It's just where the skepticism has led them that has taken them off the path of reality so that they're 
sublimating and misplacing their anger on like lizard people instead of like literally that guy in the rich house down the street is I the mean, person who's living off of you. I mean, like, have you, have you, I mean, lizard people though. I mean, have you seen, <laughs> have you seen Elon Musk play? <laughs> the guy has a nictitating membrane. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I'm just saying that I've never been to outer space. And so there, Who knows? There's, Who knows? there's no way you can prove to me that the Earth is actually round. That's it. Yeah. But we, we literally can prove. <laughs> we literally can prove that the people who run these healthcare companies are profiting right. off of us. Well, look at, and, and it's funny because a lot of them, there's this almost sort of Stockholm syndrome, right? Mm-hmm. Because our brains are so poisoned to just think that jobs are everything. Jobs, 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 jobs. What do you hear? Right, then you have no worth unless you have a job. Unless you have a job. Right. And it doesn't matter what kind of job, just any kind of job. And um, and then you've got entire urban economies that are set up just around healthcare. So So we'll, people are terrified of their jobs being taken away. Exactly. So if we so take away these healthcare companies. Humana is headquartered right. in Louisville, Kentucky, I believe. And it was founded by one dude. And Humana is the largest employer in Louisville, mm-hmm. I believe, other than the university system. Um, they even instituted like their own bike share program. Like they try to do good citizen things. Right. Like, the fact of the matter is, is that this entire family, this family that owns Humana before it went public, um, made all of their money off profiting off of sick people. Right. And now they basically, they have so much political influence. Just like the Sacklers made all their money yeah, profiting exactly. off of opioid so, addiction. And but these people who fu- who like George Kaiser, right. you know, they they do these things. They go public. They become shareholder corporations. And then you've got so many people's livelihoods invested. It's just like mm-hmm. the auto industry. Yeah. Only not everyone needs a car. Right. Everyone mm-hmm. needs a doctor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the problem is this idea that we've been poisoned with that everything is commodified. And that's the end of part one. Tune in next week where we continue to talk about the commodification of people since our nation's founding.